Good morning. Let's go ahead and find our place. And as we get ready to worship together this morning, you can stay seated just for a second. We're actually going to start the service off with a song emphasizing the fact that God is for us. And we want you to enjoy that. But before I do that, I want to read a few verses this morning emphasizing that truth. Psalm 56, 9 through 11 reads, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. For this I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. I want you to listen to this song as we think about the hope that we have in our God. We won't fear the battle, we won't fear the night, we will walk the valley with you by our side. You will go before us, you will lead the way, we have found a refuge only you can save. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. No love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Even when I stumble, even when I fall, even when I turn back, still your love is sure. You will not abandon, you will not forsake. You will cheer me onward with never-ending grace. Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Praise the Lord for that truth. Amen. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. Mark your calendar now to be in town for FBC's 185th Anniversary Homecoming Weekend on June 10th and 11th. We are planning several events to celebrate God's goodness on our church for nearly 200 years. To start the weekend, we will have a kids fun run and an adult 5K race on Saturday morning. You can sign up for these races by visiting the church website or by scanning the QR code on the screen. The Kids Fun Run begins at 8.30 a.m. and the 5K starts at 9 a.m. We will also have a bounce house and Kona shaved ice so you can enjoy the festivities as a family. On Saturday evening, there will be a homecoming cookout with outdoor games at 5 p.m. and a music concert with the Merrills at 7 p.m. And on Sunday, we will have a great time of worship at 10 a.m. with Evangelist Aaron Coffey. There will be no Sunday school or community groups that day. Don't miss this incredible weekend of celebration. We are planning a special member meeting to discuss the potential construction contract for the new bus facility. Please plan to join us for that important meeting. Our next flow meeting for the future leaders of Wixom is this Monday evening, May 22nd at 7 p.m. in the link. This meeting is for all young men interested in serving their church in a leadership capacity someday. Teen boys and young adult men are encouraged to attend these important meetings in which doctrinal, practical, and church issues will be discussed. Snacks are always provided. Community groups resume tonight at 6 p.m. 
If you are not yet connected with a Sunday PM community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade of the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connection card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Traditionally, when we have our Mother's Day gathering together, we dedicate our, some of our little ones. And last week, uh, we did that as well. We were hoping to do a dedication for Wade Hutchings, one of the youngest men in our church. And uh, his big brother, Dean, was sick last week, so we couldn't do it. So this morning, we want to do that. I'm going to invite Wade to come on up and Brighton and Jessica and Dean. They've got family and friends here with them today. Welcome to each of you. Glad to have you here this morning. Uh, It was such a blessing for us to watch young couples raise their family for God's glory. This is one of those young couples that's a special blessing to me because I got to officiate their wedding and we've got to serve together and now Brighton is serving as one of our deacons. They're involved in ministry and then watching their family grow is super special for Mari and I. Um, Little Dean, if you haven't met Dean, this guy, he's like a perfect big brother. He's great fun, lots of personality. Wade is in for a treat as he gets to know his big brother. But one of the things that we want to do as a church is we want to remind one another not only to pray for young families, but also to gather around young families and say, hey, we want to help you raise your kids for God's honor and glory. And one of the ways that we do that is just to gather together for this time of dedication. Think about how we can pray specifically for this little guy. I love his name. It's Wade Gideon Hutchings. And his names actually work together really good. His middle name is a family name, also a Bible name, right? Gideon. But that that first name, Wade, actually means to get moving. And I want you just to think about Gideon for just a second in scripture. Here was a man who had to exercise great faith. Do you remember the story? With just 300 men, he took on over 100,000 soldiers of God's enemy, and God gave Gideon the victory with just a small amount of men. Think about the faith that that took. Think about getting up that morning for Gideon. It was probably a little hard to get moving, right? And to exercise that faith. He was literally walking into a death trap. And yet God gave him the victory. So my prayer for little Wade is that he would not only be a man of faith like Gideon, but he would be a man of faith that actually moves on that faith. There's a lot of people who say, well, I'm a person of faith. I trust Jesus. I love God. I attend church. But you can't tell between Sunday morning to Sunday morning. You just can't tell. They don't move on that faith. And my prayer for little Wade is that he would move on his faith. Can I pray that for him right now? Let's gather together around this family and pray for them this morning. Lord, thank you for Brighton and Jessica. Thank you for their testimony of faith. Thank you for their discipleship, for their ministry, their passion for missions, and for serving the local church. Thank you for these two boys that you've given them and entrusted them with. And thank you for their family and the church family that's gathered around them to say, hey, we're with you. We will support you. We will help you raise these boys for God's honor and God's glory. Lord, would you bless little Wade's life in a very special way? Would you make him a man of faith that exercises that faith, that moves out on that faith and takes action based on his relationship with you? Would you do that in his life? And would you help 
Brighton and Jessica as they cheer him on in that endeavor. And help Dean as he is the big brother for this young man. Would you glorify God in this family? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a small gift for you guys and a little certificate. I'll hand you. Can you handle that? And how about a round of applause for this family? Praise God for them. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You can go. Johnny's going to come at this time for an announcement. Good morning, church. I just have a really quick announcement for you this morning. Around this time of the year, we start to get ready for our VBS, our Vacation Bible School. And as you can see on the screen, this year it's going to run from the 19th until the 23rd of June in the evenings here. So if you have a child or you know some children that would enjoy coming along to our VBS, you can use the link there to sign up ahead of time. That really helps us out. And if you are here in our church and you would like to help us serve at VBS, uh, we're going to have a brief meeting this morning in the cafe. So please plan to join us there if you would like to help us with VBS this year. And we'll run through some of the requirements uh, and information there. So plan to join us after this morning in the cafe. Let's open our word or with a word of prayer uh, as we come to the Lord this morning. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to be here in your house on a Sunday. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you have given us hope and sustained us in this last week. And Lord, we pray this morning as we look at your word, as we focus on you and who you are, and we consider your son and what he has done for us, that you would fill each of us with the hope that we need to have in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning and that we would glorify you in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to worship the Lord through song, standing, singing about our hope is in the Lord. Let's sing this out together. My hope is in the given us hope and sustained us in this last week. And Lord, we pray this morning as we look at your word, as we focus on you and who you are, and we consider your son and what he has done for us, that you would fill each of us with the hope that we need to have in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning and that we would glorify you in song. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to worship the Lord through song, standing, singing about our hope is in the Lord. Let's sing this out together. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary for me. He truth as we hold to the hope that we have in Jesus it gives us that peace 
that passes all understanding. And I love old hymns like, It is well with my soul that reminds me of that truth. Whatever happens, I have a Savior and a God I can trust in. We're going to sing this, It is well with my soul, and it's got a new chorus added. I'm sure you've heard it. That talks about that peace that we have. Let's sing this out together. When peace like a
Amen. Thank you, guys. If you know that song, you know the last phrase says, Jesus Christ is our living hope. What a great song to think about as we enter into our time in the Word this morning. We've been studying in Psalms what we're calling a theology, a study of God that really asks two questions. One, what is God like? And two, how should I respond or what should I do about that? Today, our topic is that our God is our hope. Hope. And I want you to think about that word hope with me for just a few minutes this morning. In Scripture, hope is one of the big three. The big three. Now, if you're old enough, when you hear the phrase the big three, you might think of a band from the 60s. If you're from Michigan, you probably think of car companies, right? The big three. But in Scripture, the big three are faith, hope, and love. Would you say those three with me? Faith, hope, and love. And we see these all throughout the New Testament. One of the most famous is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three But the greatest of these is love. But if you read through the New Testament, looking for these three, they show up together all over the place. Another notable example is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where Paul says, But let us who are of the day be sober or clear thinking, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now think about how essential these three are. Just think about those three words for a moment. Faith. You must have faith in Jesus Christ to have eternal life. You with me? That's what scripture teaches. You must have faith in Jesus Christ. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews also says, without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. I can't live. I can't have eternal life. I can't go to heaven and I can't please God on earth without faith. That's a pretty big deal. And then love. I mean, Jesus said there's two big commandments and from these two commandments, everything else in the law hangs and they are to love God and to love others. In fact, the distinguishing characteristic of Christianity is love for others. And then thirdly, hope, hope for the future. I think if you talk to any Christian, what what sort of keeps you going? What encourages you? What do you think about? They say, well, I have eternal life. I mean, no matter how bad things get here on earth, I have eternal life to look forward to. So faith, hope, and love really sum up the Christian life quite nicely, don't they? Those three really are the big three. So this morning, our psalm is Psalm 33. And for sake of time, I'm just going to read uh, the last several verses, starting in verse number 13. Starting in verse number 13, where the psalmist says this, The Lord looks from heaven and beholds all the sons of men. What the psalmist is going to tell us this morning is something the Lord knows about people. It's really instructive because God understands people. Verse 14, from the place of his habitation, he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their heart alike. He considers all their works. And here's what God thinks when he sees humans. Verse 16, there is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. For behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. To deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine, our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help. He is our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. As we get into the message this morning, I just want you to think and remind you, last week we talked about his holiness and think about what we're about to do. We are, in a sense, as believers in the presence of God already, but we've been invited into the throne room of holy God, and we've been told that we're to bring our request to him. And our request this morning is that Jesus would be lifted up by this church, that our response to truth would honor our Savior. And so as we enter the Lord's presence, would you do so with me and pray those things with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful for our Savior, Jesus. 
We realize, we acknowledge this morning that it is only because of him that we can be so bold as to enter your presence and to speak with you. It's only because of Jesus that we can be so bold as to ask you to speak to us. You are so holy. You are so set apart. You are so righteous and good. Lord, we, we tremble in your presence and we acknowledge our sinfulness. And we ask, Lord, that you'll help us to see you better today. Because when we see you more clearly, we live more rightly. Help us to respond to your truth this morning and help us to find our hope in you for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the accounts in the book of Exodus, as it tells the story of the Israelites escaping from Egypt, is the story where God provides water from a rock. Do you remember this story? And God says, Moses, I, I'm going to stand with you on the rock. You should, you should read this story if you have a chance. At Exodus 17, it's very interesting. It's just eight verses long. He says, Moses, I'm going to stand with you on the rock and you're going to hit that rock and out of that rock is going to come water and it's going to refresh the people because they're complaining. They need water. What's super interesting is at the end of the story, eight verses later, Moses names the location so that every time they go back to that spot, they'll remember what happened. But he doesn't name it hope, salvation, refreshment, grace, or I don't know, maybe the obvious one, water, or rock. He doesn't name it any of those things. Here's what he names that location. Failure. Failure. In fact, Scripture is, is pretty clear about his intentionality in naming it. He calls it Masa, Meribah, which means failure. Why would Moses Name it failure. Well, if you read the whole story, you probably know why. And here's, here's what happened. God rescued them from Egypt. Remember the ten plagues and the amazing escape? And then the people started whining. They started complaining. And they started thinking about all the nice things they had in Egypt. And they started blaming God for taking those things away from them. And questioning God's sovereignty. And in this particular story, they actually say, God brought us into the wilderness to kill us. They questioned God's motives. And God said, here's the deal. I will provide water, but you people are a failure. It is this story that is referred to several times throughout Scripture as the provocation in the wilderness. Do you remember that? That phrase, that King James phrase, the provocation in the wilderness. And here's what Scripture tells us over and over. Do not harden your hearts. Like these people who provoked God in the wilderness. <clears throat> we see it in Psalm 95. We see it in Hebrews 3, 7. One of the most notable places we see it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul actually makes a really bold statement. He says, actually, the whole Old Testament is there for us to learn this one lesson. Don't be like the children of Israel in the provocation. The whole Old Testament is for you to learn this one lesson. God is not there to give you stuff. God is there to give you himself. And this is where the children of Israel failed. God said, I want them to want me. If they have me, they'll have everything they need. But these people are so full of their idolatry, all they want is the stuff I can provide. They want food, and they want water, and they want rest, and they want new shoes, and they want clothes that last forever, and they want all this stuff. Sound familiar? And I want them to want me. It's a failure. Moses saw it and God saw it. What God wanted us to have, what God wanted them to have and wants us to have is this attitude in Psalm 39 and verse 7 where David says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in Thee. Like, what am I waiting for? What am I praying for? What am I worried about? I just want more of You, God. I'm thirsty for You. So what is this hope, this idea of hope captured in Psalm 33? Well, we need to start quickly with the definition. And the definition, again, is a little different than you might think. We use the English word hope three different ways, real quickly. We use it to 
describe something or, or our desire for something good in the future. We use it to describe the good thing we desire in the future, and we use it to describe the reason we might get the good thing. I'll give you quick examples. Okay. We might say it this way. I hope it rains so I don't have to water my garden. Right? I'm hoping. Or we might say this. The only hope I have for not watering the garden is rain. Rain is my hope. Right? Or I might say it this way. Those clouds over there in the west, those are the only hope of rain. That's actually three different ways of using that word. And none of them are exactly like Scripture. Scripture actually uses this word hope for a confident expectation based on evidence. A confident expectation based on evidence. This is why this is such an important discussion when we think about theology. God actually is our hope. We can confidently expect some things because of the evidence, God. He is the evidence. I'll give you just quick modern examples. Like, for instance, my expectation is that Mari will go home with me tonight. Right? Now, she always has. I don't know for sure, but she always has. And she has demonstrated time and time again, I have factual evidence that says she's going to go home and stay with me tonight. I have hope, expectation, that my kids are going to remember Father's Day. You with me, son? All right, they, they usually do, okay? Based on the evidence of who they are, I've got some expectations. I've got some expectations that the employees of First Baptist Church and Wixom Christian School are going to show up tomorrow morning. I think they will. They usually do, based on their character and who they are. I expect that you will continue to give faithfully to let the ministry continue to go, based on who you are. Yes, I would say I want these things to happen, But it's deeper than that. I expect these things to happen. I'm not crossing my fingers making a wish. I expect these things to happen because of the people involved. Now, here's the idea of biblical hope. If you know who God is, you can expect him to come through on his promises. If you know who God is. Here's Psalm 78. He commanded our fathers that they should make his decrees known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, what God has said, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We actually read this passage every year at the Wixom Christian School senior graduation because here's what we want to do. We want to tell kids how awesome God is so that in the future they don't forget God. We want them to make God their hope. We want them to lean into him. Hebrews 11, 11, talking about Sarah. Remember Sarah? She had a baby when she was 90. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. You say, Sarah, that's impossible. You can't have a baby when you're 90. Except for God, she would say. Did you hear who promised? God said it. So I can trust that it will happen. Romans 5.35, tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. When you experience God's faithfulness, you can expect him to be faithful in the future. So in Psalm 33, the verses we did not read, I'm just going to summarize for you and then we'll quickly talk about what this passage says. So the first 12 verses basically say, God is great. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to extol him. And then in verse number 13, he says, God knows humans. And then starting in verse number 16, he basically says humans respond to life two different ways. Some humans hope in their devices. And by devices, I don't mean like phones and tablets, okay? But their devices, like their plans, their resources, their personality themselves, or they hope in God. There's two kinds of people. There's the kind who hope in things, and there's the kind of people who hope in God. Now, there is a staggering amount of cross-references in Scripture to this idea, and we're just going to scratch the surface. But I want you to be thinking about leaning into God when we're done today, okay? Hoping and expecting in God. So quickly, number one, where there is no real hope. You can expect to be disappointed with a few things that the psalmist lists. Number one, numbers. There's no real hope in numbers, Verse number 16, there is no king saved by the multitude of a host. Usually in war, if you have more numbers, 
you have more people, you're likely to win. We mentioned Gideon this morning. That's a notable exception to that rule. If you're a student of history, you might have heard of the Battle of Gogamela, where Alexander the Great takes on Darius III. The odds were 1 to 10. Darius had 10 times the number of people that Alexander the Great had. But Alexander the Great's men had something they did not have. Hope. Here's what they believed in. They believed that Alexander was actually great. And because they thought he was great, they followed him to battle unquestioningly. They were highly disciplined. They were highly optimistic. And they won the battle decisively, even though they were outnumbered 10 to 1. Just because you have numbers doesn't necessarily mean you will win. Number two, there's no real hope in strength. You can expect to be disappointed by strength. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. Remember the story of David and Goliath? I mean, if, let's just think about this for a second. Let's just pretend it was in an arena, which it wasn't, but let's pretend it's in an arena, and before the battle, they're taking bets, right? And the guy comes up to you and says, hey, who do you want to bet on? Like any sane person would say, I'll take the big guy. I mean, clearly this is the pros against the JV team. This is a kid against maybe the greatest warrior alive at the, at the time. And, and yet, God overcomes the strength of Goliath. Strength is often overrated. I remember I was having a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago. We were doing a little project, and he said, he's about my age, he said, the weirdest thing is happening to me. I don't understand it. I'm getting weak. Like, it's like my muscles have just stopped working. I wake up in the morning, and I'm tired, and I'm weak. I think I might have something wrong with me. I said, you, I think you do. You got OLD. I got it too, right? You getting old, man. And strength starts to fade. It does for everyone. It starts to fade. You cannot trust hope in numbers. You cannot hope in strength. Thirdly, there's no real hope in resources. You can expect to be disappointed. He, he talks about a horse. It's a vain thing for safety. You think about David and Goliath again. David, or Goliath had all these weapons and David had a sling, and yet God used David to win the battle. So these are things you cannot trust in. And by the way, we tend to do this. We tend to trust in resources. If I just have a, a little bit bigger nest egg, everything will be okay. If I had just had a little bit better car, everything would be okay. If I just maybe had better health, everything would be okay. And what the psalmist is saying, there is no real hope in that stuff. It all goes away. Here's where you find real hope. You find real hope in God and his provision. Verse 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. Can I just ask you, do you have some hope in what God's going to provide? I was talking to a brother on the phone this last week, and we were talking about gospel optimism. I was sharing with him somebody that I was trying to share Jesus with. And he said, boy, you're optimistic. And I said, I think we have to be. Like, don't you have some gospel optimism? I was describing this person to him, and I said, I think someday he's going to be a deacon. His wife's probably going to be teaching Sunday school. His kids are going to be going off to, to school to train to serve Jesus. And he said, whoa, 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 like none of them are saved. <laughs> I know, but wouldn't it be cool if God saved him and did that? That's gospel optimism, right? So that's hoping, that's expecting in what God can do. And, and here he really is referring to kind of physical mercy that he will provide for us. In verse 19, he says, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Jesus said, look, God makes sparrows have dinner and keeps them alive. Aren't you more valuable than sparrows? Like, why do you worry all of the time? Hope in God. Secondly, there's real hope in God's protection. God's protection. Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler, the protection of God. I've told you before, I grew up in a family of four boys. I'm number three of four. And many times our dad would take us on kind of man weekend kind of trips. And I remember coming back from one 
trip with just dad and the four boys and he was driving our old beater van and it was getting late and the boys were completely exhausted you know the scene right you've seen it on family vacation we're laying on the floor of the van we're passed out right dad hits a rumble strip you know and so i wake up and i'm like dad do you need help i'm like eight you know do you need help and here's dad's response look son i've got it go back to sleep right I've got you. You don't have to worry about it. It's as silly as me saying, hey, Dad, do you need help paying the, the gas bill? Do you need help paying the electric bill? Like, Dad's like, no. Like, I do, this is what I do. You just go be a dumb kid, right? I'll take care of it. I protect. I provide. And this is what God says. Look, I want you to lean into me and hope in me. You don't have to lay awake at night and worry. I've got this under my control. Jeremiah 17, 17 says, You, Lord, you are my hope in the day of evil. Thirdly, there's real hope in his person. David said in Psalm 42, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God. (laughs) David's telling himself this. He's talking to his own soul. Hey, quit worrying. Hope in God, in his person. Rejoice in him. By the way, I think this is just super interesting. So just a a little aside, in verse 20, it says the word soul. And in verse 21, it says the word heart. And they're singular. And nowhere else in Scripture that I could find are they used of a group in a singular way. Which is sort of interesting. That he says in 20, our heart or our soul waits for the Lord. Verse 21, our heart rejoices in the Lord. I think what he's getting at is this, that God's people... When they lean into God, when they hope in God, it unites them together. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, if a brother and I, if brother Tim and I, we, we need something and we, we sense that we, there's no solution except for God. And we get down on our knees together and we say, let's, let's pray and let's ask God to intervene and do a miracle here. Do you know what that does to him and me? It brings us together, right? It unifies the people of God. This is why, by the way, a church like ours must live by faith because it's better for us to be on our knees, shoulder to shoulder, asking God to help than to be trusting our own devices, right? It's way better for us to do that. It unifies us together. Fourthly, there's real hope in God's pity. Verse 22, let thy mercy, your steadfast love, your pity, Lord, be upon us according as we hope in you. Are you expecting God's mercy? Can I just tell you this morning, I know there's several people, maybe this is your first time or you've just started recently attending First Baptist. What about when you stand before God someday? Are you just hoping he's okay with you? Like, are you crossing your fingers like, ugh, I hope. Or do you have a confident expectation based on fact that your relationship with him is right, that you are forgiven, that you're already living your eternal life? Paul said in Romans chapter 8, for we are saved by hope. Hope in what? Hope in his mercy. Based on Jesus. This is what Titus 3 says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Shed on us abundantly by Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Have you put your faith in Jesus yet? It's super easy to put your faith in other things. Most people put their faith in kind of hoping they're good enough. And that is completely unbiblical. Or maybe, rather, it's just completely wrong. You're not good enough. You can't be good enough. The only way to approach God is through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, today's a great day to put your faith in Jesus. Let me pray for you before the musicians come to close us in a song. Father, the Apostle Paul prayed for the Romans this way, and I would pray this for our church, that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace in believing, and that we would abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. 
And that you would make known to us the reality of Christ who is in us, the hope of glory. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Stand together as we close today, singing out a great hymn, Christ our hope in life and death. Let's sing this out. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hands? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us till the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. Oh, sing come. Christ our hope in life and death. What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial. Who sends the waves that bring a sky unto the shore, the rock of Christ? Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. What shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him, there we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy. When Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess. Christ our hope in life and death, now and ever we confess. Christ our hope in life and death. Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. The Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life. The opportunity to live with God 